And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Keith Law. Welcome to episode 47 of the Keith Law Show. My guest today is going to be Andrew Tinnish of the Toronto Blue Jays. We worked together what seems like a lifetime ago. He is now the head of their international scouting efforts, which have been a huge contributor to their third-ranked farm system in all of Major League Baseball. If you look at their top 20, you will see a ton of prospects that they have signed through international free agency. And we are going to talk a little bit about some of those prospects, but also generally about what it is like to scout players outside of the draft market. Uh, my entire top 100 prospect package is now up for subscribers to The Athletic. You can see the overall top 100, team-by-team top 20s, and my rankings of all 30 organizations. Uh, those are all available on the through the app and uh, through the site. Each team has its own individual top 20, a note on the system as a whole. Players, I think, might have some impact for the team in 2021, as well as at least one sleeper prospect who I expect to maybe take a step forward for the team uh, this year, once we get players back on the field, which we hope will happen quite soon. Also, I'd just like to remind everyone, my second book, The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, is coming out in paperback. We are about six weeks away from that. April 6th, it will be available. You can pre-order it now. Any place you buy books, call your local bookstore if you have one you like and want to support them. You can also get it on bookshop.org. Amazon, anywhere you buy your books online. Also, you can you will be able to pre-order it. It's called The Inside Game. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by a longtime friend of mine and former colleague, Andrew Tinnish, who is now the Vice President of International Scouting for the Toronto Blue Jays. I believe Andrew was a an intern the year before I got to the Blue Jays. He was working in amateur scouting at the time, uh, and he has gone through multiple different jobs as he's climbed the ladder since then, but been in the international side for a couple of years now. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Keith. You know, you just got me reminiscing. I was thinking about it's just over 17 years ago, I think, that we were on a flight together from LA to Taipei to see Chi oh Hung Chang and Po Sung Kang. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a hell of an experience. Neither of them turned out to be anything, but what? And it's funny because I. Part of where I got the idea to ask you to come on the podcast was I was just cooking for the family and made fried rice. Okay. And I'm sure you remember that place Absolutely. in Kaohsiung where like, right? It was the best. It was the simplest thing ever. And or first of all, it was like enough food to feed an army. Yeah. And I was like, why doesn't fried rice always taste like, yeah. this? like what? What are we missing <laughs> here? And I swear I've spent 17 years trying to recreate that specific dish. That we had there. as long as you don't recreate that uh, that horrible tofu that that we oh. had in the market there, Chodofu, yeah, yeah. Oh my I god, struggled I with think, that. Yep, 
think of that every time I open the jar of fish sauce to cook with it. I'm like, oh, just man. imagine picking that up and taking a swig yeah. <laughs> directly out of the bottle. Oh, God. God. Unbelievable. Yeah. That was, it was a great experience. I, can't, I have not been back to Asia since either. I'm like, there have been multiple times where I could have gone to see a player, try to go see maybe the Japanese uh, uh, WBC team at some point. It's just never worked out. That's still, to this day, it is my only trip across the wow. Pacific. I, I hope at some point soon. They're certainly players. I've just never managed to work it out for my schedule. I'm sure you've gone a handful of times at least to go see guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you want to get into other stuff, but real quick, about about a year and a half ago, um, my most recent trip to Taiwan, I did see both Chi Hung and Po Song. And Po Song oh, wow. Kang is scouting with the Padres, and Chi Hung uh, was a is a coach, maybe pitching coach with the minor league uh, brothers elephant club over there in the CPBL. So they're, they're oh, both wow. very active in, in baseball still. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That makes me really happy yeah. to hear that actually. Yeah. yeah. It was nice good kids. Just, great kids. Yeah. Great just kids. didn't work yeah. out. Yep. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about, about your job. And uh, you know, one thing I get a lot of questions from readers about uh, not just international prospects, but international scouting. And I think to folks outside the game, it is still the most opaque area of the business, right? Is often depicted as sort of that's the wild west of baseball. And it's certainly true relative to the structure of the draft. But maybe talk a little bit about how long you've been on the international side and what you've found it's like, particularly since obviously you're scouting these kids younger than we scout any kids for the draft, often as young as you know, 13, at least when you just first go lay eyes on them. Right. That's something we would never think of doing with a kid in Canada or the US. Right. Uh First of all, it, it's, it is extremely challenging, and, and I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to basically all levels of scouting, you know, big league level, upper minors, lower minors, obviously uh, the, the draft with uh, college, junior college and high school. And, and this is uh, unquestionably the most challenging uh, area to scout. It's very rewarding, though. It's, I've had great experiences. Um, I've been sort of, I guess, officially overseeing international since 2016, um, but was involved, you know, going back, I guess, as, as early as maybe 2013, after I shifted out of amateur um, mm-hmm. into, uh, into uh, the AGM, AGM role at the time. And, you know, you're right. Like, look, it's, it's relative to the draft, obviously relative to, um, you know, certainly scouting college players, but even high school players, it is quite unstructured. Um, and and <laughs> yeah, there are times where you're at events and you will see 13 year olds. I mean, there's an event where you'll see a 12 year old, um, but, but the 12 and 13 year olds down there, especially in Dominican don't look like uh, they do, you know, here up in the U S and, and in Canada. Um, and, and I think a big reason for that is that these kids are getting into academies at a young age sometimes as early as, you know, 10 and 11 years old, uh, and, and they're training every day, you know, they're playing baseball six days a week. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're on, you know, training programs at, at an early age and they're just getting a ton of reps. Um, so it, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's eye-opening to, to see a 13 year old hit a ball, you know, 350 feet, <laughs> you know, my, my son is 13 and, and, you know, he's a decent player, but I can't, I can't imagine him doing anything like that. Um, so it, it, it is challenging, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it's a great experience 
And it's certainly rewarding when you see a kid at such a young age and then, you know, sign the player at 16 or 17, uh, move forward and, and make their way uh, to the big leagues. One thing that's always intrigued me, and I, you know, I usually don't see those guys until they're 16. Yeah. Um, I might see video from when they're younger, but I don't actually physically eyes on them until they're 16. But they're still growing. Like we don't usually get that with kids through the draft. Occasionally we'll get the 17-year-old and you'll say, well, he's still got two years left. He can get a little taller. But usually we're just expecting him to fill out. I feel like I use that phrase 200 times every spring writing about prospects. But yeah. I remember the case of um, – probably before you were on the international side, but you were in you were in the business. when The red sign Juan Duran and he went from like 6'3 or 6'4 to 6'9. Like grew himself out of being <laughs> – out of baseball. And okay, that's rare. But yep. I, I assume you must factor that in, right? This kid, okay, not only do I expect him to get stronger, but you're trying to project a frame up. He could get taller. He could get wider. Like, do you end up spending more time on that than you do on trying to talk about specific tools when it's a kid who's, obviously, before you've signed him, he's, say, 14 or 15? Yeah, the, the physical element is is a huge part of it. And look, generally, we're, we're less on the Durans of like, hey, is he – you know, he's six three. Is he going to get too big? Is he going to get to six eight, six nine? But but you're more talking about the kid who's maybe five eight and and 130 pounds soaking wet, but has tools that you really like, and you know, trying to project what you think his body might look like in five years, ten years, um, you know, w- you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. it. it that part is challenging and it is generally more of a strength thing. Like, will they get stronger? Uh, so look, I'm sure a lot of teams do this. We involve our, our high performance staff, our training staff, you know, to try and get, gain some insight into like certain body compositions, um, and and whether or not they think that this type of frame will grow, will, uh, have the ability to add, you know, depending on the player, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. I mean, honestly, even as much as 50, 60 pounds, when you're seeing sure. some of these kids who, you know, at, at such a young age who are lean and wiry. Um, so that, you know, again, like that, that's part of, I, I say guesswork. It's, I mean, we're, 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 we're obviously taking gambles on all these kids because they're so far away. Um, mm-hmm. But we're doing as much as we can to try and check as many boxes as possible, especially before making, you know, some of the, the larger investments. So that leads into the one other general area question I had before we start talking about some of the prospects in your system, sure. which is you are dealing with a much longer time frame also than we ever think about for high school, especially for college players. College players get drafted. Hey, can he be in the big leagues next year? You're, you're the fastest I think we ever see a player sign. I'm thinking specifically out of Latin America. Obviously, the, some of the kids coming out of Asia, um, you may have different experiences. But kids out of the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, yep. other countries there, three years would be exceptionally fast. That is the Vlads, basically. Yeah, you Acuna's and Juan Soto's, yeah. Yeah, the absolute top tier. But there are you know typically, I think, four to six years – is probably a lot more common. And some of those players still end up being stars. They just you know, need more, more physical development or yeah. more experience facing better pitching. So, you know, again, sort of how does that affect your evaluation process? Especially what do you do for those kids who, where it's, you see physical ability, you see tools, but what you haven't seen is like good game experience or so-and-so hasn't faced 
good pitching, good, you know, good breaking stuff yet. Whereas here, like the US kids, it's almost like we overscout them, yeah. right? We see them all summer against the, they face the same 20 guys over and over again at every showcase. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is where it, it kind of gets back to, you know, sort of your grassroots scouting. Um, number one, you, you really have to like players because it's easily to, it's really easy to pick these kids apart when they're that young. Right. I mean, we could pick apart any 14, 15, 16 year old. Uh, <laughs> right. So you, sounds you, mean. Yeah. <laughs> you really do have to like players, you know, and, and then I think that depending on, you know, how you evaluate, you, you, look, you really have to factor in. Um, I, I mean, I find anyways, you really need to factor in uh, projection. You really need to factor in swing and swing mechanics and how efficient, um, you know, how a kid a kid moves is athleticism. Um, same thing with pitching, and pitching is even tougher, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, look, these kids get pretty physical at at fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old. But there's only so much your body can take as a as a pitcher at a young age, right? You're not, you know, you don't see fourteen year olds out there throwing ninety two, ninety three miles an hour. You see a lot of them throwing, you know, eighty four to eighty eight miles an hour, or eighty two to eighty five miles an hour, and then you're really relying on you know, delivery, athleticism, arm action, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just the ease of how they operate uh, and and generally how their bodies move. Um, So again, like another piece that just makes this sort of a a more challenging environment um, than domestically, but a ton of upside, obviously, right? So look, you really, I, I think that to be in this market, and look, that's the way most of these clubs are. You know, I know a lot of the, the VPs and directors and they they are aggressive people. They're not afraid to make mistakes. You just can't because, you know, this is the toughest thing ever, right? Being this far away from your prime makes it difficult, more difficult to predict what they're actually going to be in the end. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So let's start talking about some of the prospects in your system. We have to start with everybody's favorite now, your uh, full-figured catcher, Alejandro Kirk. Kirky. Who went, who went from A-ball to the big leagues. Yeah. And it's funny, Caitlin McGrath covers the Blue Jays for us. Some Send me a message right away on Slack and said, do you think he's ready? And I said, you know, honestly, I have no idea. Because one, I hadn't seen him live. I talked to you about him. I talked to scouts. But how do you know when a kid is ready to go from A-ball to the big leagues, just as a hitter, never mind behind the plate. And he comes up and he is just hitting rockets all over the field. Like, yeah, like he had just come up from AAA the day before. It is amazing. I know the concerns about the body type, but talk about him as a, 
as a hitter and a little bit as a catcher, what you saw in him to bring him into the system in the first place. Yeah, I mean, obviously his his path to the big leagues is not a typical path. Um, but but going back to the beginning, I mean, I'll be honest with you that I, I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, I had sent uh, Dean DeSillis, one of our special assignment scouts, mm-hmm. to Tijuana, Mexico, to see another catcher, a different catcher at a workout. And, and, and he, he called me after the workout and I said, Hey, how was, you know, how's the catcher? And he basically said, yeah, he's, he was okay. He's like, look, there's this other guy, you know, his name is Alex Kirk and, and he's big. Like I'm telling you, he's big, he's a big guy, but he does X and Y and, and, and Z and, and, you know, talk through it. You know, I, he's like, I look, I really like this guy. Send me some video. We walk, we, we watch the video and talk to our, uh, our, 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 our director about it. And we pulled the trigger pretty quickly on him. But I, but I think what was appealing to him at the time, which you still see now is he, he obviously he has very elite bat to ball skills. Um, you know, his, his plate discipline numbers are, are, are quite good. And, and he hits the ball really hard. You know, he, he has really short arms and, <laughs> and not always a good thing for a baseball player, but in this case, you know, and I think he showed it in, in his limited time in the big leagues last year. It, it, you know, if you try to come in on him hard, he has the ability to turn on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can also handle stuff away. So for a guy who has short arms, the way his swing works, the way he's set up, he does have very solid plate coverage. And he's a very disciplined hitter. He, he has some skills that you can't teach. Like his, his ability to slow the game down in the box is very impressive um, for a young guy. Um, you know, defensively, he's actually a very solid, um, receiver and, and, and thrower. And, and really like we saw that at the youngest day, uh, age, I want to say the first time he came into our complex in Dominican, um, you know, everyone's like, who's this guy? You know, you don't even know who he is. Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it was, it was during instructional league in Dominican and we had a kid come in who was throwing a pen at like 91 to 95, I want to say with that bowling ball sinker and just the ease with how he received the ball was really impressive, you know, and, and, uh, you know, again, 17 years old, just really, really, or whatever it was at 17 or 18, his ability to handle heavy, heavy movement was impressive. And he moved around well for a big guy. I mean, look, there's a lot of big catchers in the big leagues who have shown that sort of, lower half flexibility and ability to move around. And, and, and I think he, um, you know, I think he does have that obviously, you know, he's, he's working hard to, to get in better shape. And I, I think that that'll give him a better chance to play more. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a skill set that's really hard to find just the ability to make good decisions in the box and hit the ball hard uh, at a very high rate is, is pretty impressive. You guys have some real catching depth between what you have in the big leagues, obviously Kirk there now, and then the guy I tabbed as your sleeper prospect going into 2021, Gabriel Moreno, who's probably a better prospect overall than Kirk is, just Kirk is ready now. We we have a better idea of what Kirk can do. Yeah. But I think for Blue Jays fans too, it might be, you know, unless the other than the particularly hardcore fans, Moreno's not a guy they've heard a whole lot about, but yeah. he 
probably is the more well-rounded prospect. So give us a little bit of a sense, again, of not just what he is now, but what you saw when first bringing him into the system. Yeah, so really, you know, not not a high-profile sign, but I think one of the things that stood out with him is that he he showed, and our area scout, Francisco Placencia, did a really good job with him. He showed, again, a very, maybe not the same sort of uh, uh, discipline, but like very elite contact skills at a young age. And, and I think it was like, just a combination of like grit and confidence where, you know, as an amateur at his Academy in Venezuela, like he, he wanted to be in the big group, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to be in the live BP group where the kids that who are going to get a million dollars, $2 million are in. Like, he's like, I'm in that group. You know, I need to be in that group. I'm as good as these guys. And just that, that kind of chip on his shoulder, so to speak. Um, And he was actually an infielder at the time. Um, and, 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 you know, we had talked about him, um, just prior to signing and then post-signing about, you know, about catching. Um, and he's really athletic back there. He, he moves around well. He's, 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 you know, he's got some work to do like everybody, you know, every young catcher does. Um, but his combination of sort of competitiveness, intelligence, and athleticism, I think gives him a chance to be a pretty solid defender back there. the bat, the bat is really good and he moves well, you know, he can run, um, you know, he, he's, I remember talking in the front office with some people after his first year, you know, his, his out of the gate, he didn't have a great year at the GCL. Like it was actually like a sub 600 OPS, but the contact skills were, were really good. Like really mm-hmm. good. Like the, the strikeout rate was ultra low. And he showed up the following spring training and he looked about 15 pounds heavier, good weight. And he had added like uh, a big leg kick. And all of a sudden, like you're, wa- I'm, I, you know, I'm watching him take BP in minor league spring training. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is a different guy. You know, like just the, the combination of like contact skills and athleticism that he had, you know, added now with like the little extra movements and and strength and power um with the leg kick all of a sudden we were like this this kid's got a chance to break out um and you know of course he did that summer of 18 and again like you know it's lower levels it's gcl with a little bit happy league mixed in um but but 19 he had a great year in in lansing and he he may have been our most consistent hitter at the all site last year um you know again it's limited it's like 70 some odd appearances, plate appearances, but it was like an 1100 OPS and hit some home runs and doubles and was pretty impressive. So, yeah. The one other guy I wanted to ask about from uh, from your Latin American program, Aurelvis Martinez, has been the back of my top 100 the last couple of years. I think he was probably sort of, if you asked folks around the industry, the consensus was that he was the best of the this wave of guys. Now, yeah. Alejandro got to the big leagues faster. Uh but and Martinez also was a guy you gave a lot of money to, three and a half million dollars three years ago, I think. Three years ago this Yeah, it was summer. the eighteen class, yeah. The eighteen class, right? So and I mean teams give a lot of those two, three, four million dollar bonuses to guys who almost immediately they don't work out. But in his case, it looks like he's kind of justified everything, at least so far, and maybe has a chance to move a little bit more quickly once we get them hopefully we get all these back yeah. guys back on the field in May. Yeah, he, he, he's really impressive. So he, he's kind of a, um, he, he's one of the better performers that I've seen down in Latin America as an amateur. And, you know, fortunately I was probably able to see 50, 60 at bats at least with him before we Mm -hmm. signed him. 
And, you know, what struck me was, you know, he has big movements. He's got a big leg kick, but it's an ultra loose swing. It's a really quick bat. Um, he showed the ability to hit the ball all fields for power. He showed the ability to handle velocity. You know, I, I remember uh, at a workout, you know, essentially every fastball he faced was, and he would have been 50, might've been 14 at the time, maybe 15, mm-hmm. but essentially every fastball he faced at this particular workout was between 88 and 95, you know, guys were with some older guys in there and, you know, no fear, uh, no panic. The, the big leg kick, which you worry about with a young kid on time, you know, consistently really didn't get beat. Um, and, and that's the, the bat is really impressive. So I, I've been down here for a couple of days now. We've had, just had our second day of, of workouts. He's in big league camp. And I mean, the ball is exploding off his bat. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is really, it's impressive power. Um, and he's actually trimmed up a little bit. So, like, you know, not that he was ever thick, but mm-hmm. um, his dad is like a sh- not a shorter, stocky, strong guy. And and but but Arelvis is a leaner body, a leaner frame, and moving around really well in the infield. There's just there's a lot of looseness to him, um, and obviously strength. So, yeah, I'm really excited about him. I, I do think he has a chance to move a little bit quicker. Um, he got a little taste of the alt site towards the end last year, which was, you know, which was a good experience for him. Uh, and, and obviously this big league camp will be, uh, will be a good experience for him as well. So I said, I was done asking about your Latin American prospects. But that's because I have to ask about the Dutch kids. So folks who don't know, Andrew has some Dutch ancestry also, yeah. and the Jays have a couple of Dutch prospects in the system. Sam Roberson who was on my list for you guys last year. He was in the write up this year. Uh, I don't even, I'm hoping I'm saying this right. Jorgeni Casimiri, who actually pitched in honk ball last he did. year. We, he did. We love the we honk love ball. Yeah. Yes. I love the honk ball too. It's great. It's fun. And, and, and you know what? It's funny, Keith. Like, I, I remember going over there in the spring of 19 to, mm-hmm. to see them pitch. I went over twice, actually. And, you know, really at the time, they were both 17 years old. And, it's a wood bat league, but, but I would probably comp it to like a good division two conference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean that, yeah, for a 17 year old kid, that, that's, that's not, that's not easy. Right. Um, you know, Georgeni was used in sort of a close closer, high leverage reliever type situation. Um, and that, that year and Sam was a starter and, and Sam, I mean, Sam actually absolutely dominated, you know, at the time he was throwing like, 83, 87, maybe touching 88. Um, but his ability to pitch and, and spin the ball and command the ball and his unbelievable delivery and athleticism were, uh, were, were very appealing. Gior was a little more power. Gior was like, you know, 90 up to 94, pitching around 91, 92. Um, so it was a little easier, you know, less, less guesswork involved. But, but Sem, Sem may have... I mean, probably top five deliveries all time that I've evaluated as an amateur. Um, just extremely efficient and athletic, um, and, and pretty pretty impressive. But I would highly recommend hawk ball games. They get decent crowds. They there's you know plenty of beer <laughs> that they that, <laughs> you know it's like these rotary clubs, right? So I mean, it's really a good time. It's it's a pretty neat environment, especially in some of the rivalry games. But it's a it's a fun it's a fun league to. Uh, to scout for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping we get to see those guys on the field. We hope, hope yeah, we get hope so. Cardinho back this year. Yep. He does for Zuleta. Like you guys, 
there's a lot of talent in the system and a ton of it has come through all of your through your department through all the different avenues and that you're even I like that you're even looking in maybe some less traditional spots yep. to find talent. No, it's been it's it's we're 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 heading in the right direction. We're we're pretty excited about the big league season and 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 the system. And actually, Keith, I was looking at your top twenty. So all ten of your top ten guys are here in big league camp, and Ooh. sixteen of the top twenty on your list are are all are here in big league camp. Oh wow! Um, so it, it's a fun camp, obviously for for a lot of reasons. You know, with some of the additions we've made at the major league level, but. Um, you know, also to get a, a good look at some of these, uh, some of these younger guys who are uh, hopefully a big part of our future. Yeah. And that helps them get that kind of experience. Too. Absolutely. That exposure, even if they get a couple at bats here and there in big league at the end of big league games, I think that's invaluable. Even Absolutely. If even if they're going to stick around, just still be there in April for my early spring training. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yep. For sure. My guest today has been Andrew Tinnish, vice president of international scouting for the Toronto Blue Jays, a big fan of red sauce, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yep. I, this was our longstanding debate. <laughs> listeners have no idea what I'm talking about. He's team red sauce. <laughs> I'm I'm team pesto. But the truth is, we ju- we just we love food, and that was one of the things Andrew and I first bonded over when I first got to the Blue Jays. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate it. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for those of you who do enjoy the show, we do have a survey out for listeners to all of the athletic podcasts. And if you're interested in filling it out and just giving us some feedback on our shows, you can look for the link in the show notes. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.